You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and joining me as a longtime listener, he's a contributor in our Facebook group, writer for improvephotography.com, contributor to Photographers Cooperative, Aaron's all over the place. This is Aaron Taylor. How are you, Aaron? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. I got a... I got a little bit of a cold, so hopefully you don't hear that too badly, but otherwise, I'm excited to be here. Excellent. I'm so excited to have have you on. I need other perspectives, and today we're going to talk about a, a, a topic where I need another perspective, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to go for it. But for people who aren't familiar with you, why don't you take a couple of minutes here and just tell the listeners a little bit more about you. Great. Yeah. Um, I started my photography business about five years ago. Um, and it's essentially kind of running like it did about five years ago, although I'm much better at it. So I, I, I'm working on the weekends. Um, I'm an in, in-person sales photographer. Uh-huh. Um, and I also uh, educate other photographers. So I do mentoring um, and teach some classes. Um, by day, I'm a high school English teacher. This is my 12th year doing that. Um, and kind of big time news for, for me and my company this year is I've been published quite a bit. So I've had a few wow. images. Images featured in Shutter Magazine. I know it. It was actually kind of mind blowing. It's really crazy. Congratulations! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. Um, and in the January issue of Digital Photographer Magazine, I had like a full blown like offset feature, like my writing, my photos about how to create headshots in your kitchen. Nice. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, so that's that's basically where I am. Um, I think when it when it comes to my photography, and it's kind of how our our conversation started, is I like to mix ambient and flash. And you and I kind of were inspired to talk today, talking about flash a little yeah, bit. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, that's basically me. Uh, five years in, and and I, and I love it. So. Yeah, that's that is so good. And I think that your story is one that will resonate with a lot of listeners who are listening to the podcast, which is part of the reason I wanted to bring it on. Cause you know, I, I have a story too. That's, it's, I guess a little bit similar, but it, I have a whole different goal, <laughs> a whole right. different objective with, with what I want to do with photography compared to you. But I think your, how you are running things and what you're doing with your photography business probably falls in line with a lot more of the people who are listening than those that would, that will be with me. And, and we're going to talk a, a ton about that through this episode. So, and, and that's, it's one of the objectives I have with the podcast. Cause I know I have something that's very different. It, it, well, I, there's, there's hobbyists that are listening to who have no intention of doing more than hobbyist photography. And that's great. You know, it's it's something that makes us happy. I like it. It's it's really fun. I've, I've said it before on my podcast. Photography is my retirement plan. This is what I want to <laughs> do when I retire because I love doing it. I just have so much fun with the process of creating images and playing around with things and learning new stuff. 
I love learning. It's, it's a lifelong goal of mine just to continually be learning. I think if I ever stop learning, I'll stop enjoying uh, things. So, um, and photography has a never ending stream of learning that I, I need to make and do. So I'm really happy to have you on the show. And we're going to talk about this so that we can offer advice for the segment of the audience who does want to do a little bit more than just have fun with this. They want to actually make some money off of this and that's not my objective. And so, uh, so I want to talk through and provide some tips on that. So the, the topic today that I asked Aaron to come and, and be on the show with me is, is something called in-person sales. And, uh, it's something I have like no experience with and I don't really want to do because I just don't <laughs> enjoy this part of it, which is fine. You know, everyone gets, it has their own choices about what they want to do with photography. But if you want to actually make some money at it, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to go about doing that. Even as like a very part-time photographer, like like Aaron just talked about, he's a full-time school teacher. So he's doing this totally on the side and very successfully a- able to augment his income with something he's loving to do. So let, let's start right at the top, Aaron. Tell me what in-person sales is. All right. So in-person sales is essentially when the photographer is working directly with the client as an expert guide during a sales session. So typically, in-person sales uh, will include selling prints, albums, wall art like canvases or metal prints, um, as opposed to digital images. Though I think plenty of in-person sales photographers, myself included, kind of mix digital and print. Sure. Um, But the real important thing is that um, an in-person sales photographer is working with the client before the session and after the session and guiding them through a process of image selection and product selection and planning for an ultimate sale of a physical product. So um, like I said, there, there isn't one way to do this, but right. and, and you kind of mentioned this already, if you wanna make any kind of money and you wanna make good money um, like me, my time away from uh, school and with my family is precious. So I need to maximize the amount of time, uh, the amount of money I'm making as a photographer. And the way to make the most uh, is doing in-person sales. Excellent. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to share, share some tips. We're going to talk about this process. We're going to get into some, some detailed information. One of the, the, the things that led to, this discussion we're having on here is the Facebook group. And if if people listening by now don't know about the Facebook group, then uh, you might be very new to the show. But it's, it's a really – we try so hard to make it a very uh, easygoing community of people wanting to help each other and wanting to improve and get better at being photographers. So if you use Facebook, I know not everyone likes Facebook, and if that's not your thing, then I, I get it. There's just not really a, a better platform that is like free. <laughs> yeah, true <laughs> to that. True to, uh, that. <laughs> to do that. And, and we'll have links in the show notes too to the Photographers Cooperative is another Facebook group that is a really great place to go to get similar kind of help and it has a very similar type of community over there that Aaron is is a part of but we we were talking in the Facebook group in in the master photography Facebook group about lights like you'd talked about and um and <laughs> there was there's a light that uh I I don't want to get into too much detail cuz we we want to talk about in person sales but one of the points of this was Aaron likes a light that's that's fairly expensive 
for your average like hobbyist photographer like me there's i just they're so they're expensive enough i'm like yeah that's just not gonna ever happen <laughs> yeah and, and his point was well that's that's only one weekend of in-person sales and, and you paid for that thing and, and then you have it for, as your lighting equipment to use for all the rest of the stuff and it's like you know profit from that point on yep. totally valid point and why it is I want to make sure we go over this. And we'll, we'll have a link in the show notes to that, uh, that episode too. Getting started lighting gear in 2019 is the post more towards the side of a hobbyist that doesn't intend to make a whole ton of money but wants to dabble in this and, and get some decent lighting that they can really play around with and, and learn how to use. And, and then you can decide from there what you want to do. So there's some good recommendations on how to get started in lighting. I want to talk next though about how does a photographer actually do in-person sales? Like I want to get into some details here yeah. Aaron, about what it is that you that you're doing. You're you're working with them before the the potential client, right? Before they've even hired you, you're working with them. Yes. And and you're doing the shoot and then after the in-person sales part. So maybe start at the beginning of that, you're working with them before. How are you setting it up so that they have like this expectation about how this is going to go? Yeah, well, first, let me say you, you've been mentioning the Facebook group. The way that I got started in this business is the Improved Photography Facebook groups. So these places are amazing if you're just getting started. Like, I would not be where I am today without the podcast and Facebook groups. So uh, I'm always excited to be talking with you guys because you guys are how I started. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. But um, all right, so I actually just did this today. I had, um, I have a high school senior session that I'm going to be scheduling very soon. And they had just bought a, a gift certificate that I offer where I kind of give them a little deal to kind of rope them in a little bit. Uh -huh. Um, and my, as soon as I saw that gift certificate purchase, my next piece of communication is, okay, we need to set up two dates. We're going to set up our session date and we're going to set up our reveal session date. And I say, you know, at the session, of course, we're going to take photos and I'd like to call you and talk to you, you know, about exactly what you're looking for at that session. And then I say, and at the reveal session, that is the first time you're going to see your photos. So I think that's number one key is not giving any kind of preview yeah. or, or look until the reveal because, you know, that builds some excitement. Um, it prevents them from screenshotting anything and just printing on their own. <laughs> that I've had plenty of my stuff done that way. Yeah. Right. Um, and I say, not only will you see your photos, but that is where we are going to make final decisions about prints, albums, wall art, digitals. So it is the first thing I say, once I, once I know I've gone from a lead to a booked client, it is the first piece of communication. Okay, now go back to your gift certificate concept. Yeah. Tell me about how you got that set up. What What is that? How did you know that they bought it and, and could engage with them? Yeah, so I learned this from a photographer that I chat back and forth with all the time. And he said um, one of the things they do is offer, uh, say, like, a $500 value for a $100 purchase. And right. so that's actually exactly what I did. And so it's essentially that $100 that they pay kind of covers the print that they can get for the $500 value. So my session fee is $250. So that's half of their gift certificate value. And then the other $250, I say, is your print credit. And the $99 that they pay for the gift certificate typically pays for the actual cost of the print. And I still get to pocket a little bit. Okay. So 
it's my it's my way of 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 uh, saying, hey, you're getting a deal, but they're also kind of putting a down payment on, so that I know this is officially a client. Yeah, um, yeah, which is super important when you're talking about someone who's not doing this. Well, I guess it's even important for full time. They want to make yeah. sure these clients are legit and they're scheduling them and all of that. But now you know they're in. Like yes, especially if this is like a non-refundable. I, and its terminology can be important, especially from like a legal perspective. Is my understanding on this that if you call it a deposit, there's legal t- legal meaning to that, which kind of means they're entitled to get it back. Right, and I don't so, call it a deposit. <laughs> right, so so we don't want to do that uh, as you're communicating, and in contract in particular, because then they can get it back. You you want this to be a down payment, or I don't know what what term are you using. Yeah, I think on my gift certificate, it, it literally says uh, gift certificate for $500 of value towards your session. Okay. Um, so I think that's about as far as it goes. Um, but they, you know, someone who's buying that is already committing to me, basically. Right. Right. Um, I am not having to go like door to door saying, buy my gift certificate, buy my gift certificate. Usually it's someone who has come to me, either they've called or emailed and they say, hey, I'm interested in a senior session and I say, Hey, I've got a great deal if we do it in the next couple months or whatever. And they're like, wow, yeah, this is a no brainer. Okay. And and so how do they find out about it? Is it, it's on your website? Yeah. So I, uh, I use Wix to host my website and Wix has a built in store and I just have a store item that is the gift certificate and I, and I send people there, they take care of the transaction, uh, you know, with their credit card or PayPal, I think is how I have it set up. And, uh, then I get a little email that says they bought it, and then it's game time. Okay. And then you engage, and, and you're emailing back. Do you have like a template then? You've worked on this enough that you have sort of a, exactly what you want to say. You may have to tweak the wording a little bit with their name or something. Is that how yep. it works? Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And, and I use a lot of templates too. I they, The clients, no matter your process, it, whether you're doing – this in-person sales stuff that we're talking about now or something else, whatever it is, whatever you've decided on, they all need an instruction. <laughs> they all need yes. to know, yes. how's this going to work? What's this process going to be like to go and, and do this photo shoot? So even though I don't do a ton of this and, and I don't want to do a ton of this, uh, I do enough and I repeat the instructions. Writing that up every time is is not great. And I get, I've gotten better at it. I've, I've, had instructions given where it worked well and, and other times I've because I was making it up per time, it wasn't working. So I've gone to a template too. I've I've created one that is working really, really well, has lots of good instruction, very detailed kind of instruction about my process, which is not what we're going to talk about right now. But that's I think that's an important aspect for any photographer who's doing client shoots of whatever sort to have think about the the communication and try to templatize it so that you don't forget stuff and and have gaps in things and be like, oh, I forgot to tell you about that. That's how this is how it's going to work. And if you have to make it up on the spot, it may not be it, it, it may be tough to even describe exactly what's going to be, especially if there's like workflow in a website that like you have a shopping cart, it, it works a certain way and they kind of need to know how to navigate through it. it. And so is that kind of the instruction is is part of that? Yeah. So. I'll so typically how they're going to find it. I have my senior portfolio, you know, page on my website, and uh-huh. at the top of that portfolio, above the first picture, is a button they can click that says "Save four hundred dollars on your senior session." Uh-huh. And, 
And when they click that button, it takes them right to the store with the gift certificate description, and they can just buy right there. Um, I'll also say that you know the I have on my website a page dedicated to the process that they will go through. So right. not only do I have email language, but I can also uh, if it's like a prospective client, they're not really sold yet. I'll just shoot them the, the website address and say, hey, look at this. See if this is the style for you. Right. I've even seen it suggested. I'm not doing this, but um, I, I would, it would be fun, especially if I was trying to get more of these clients. Even having a video these days, a lot of people are checking your site out on a phone and, and trying to read through a bunch of text or uh, graphics even can be hard to make it look good both on a normal computer and on a phone. But a video looks good pretty much across all of it, no no problem. So I, I've seen a lot of people doing that too. Or, and, and it's more personal. Like you're, They're getting to know you as a photographer a little bit as you are walking through the process. So I, I've seen some su- people be successful creating a video that describes kind of the, the process and the engagement. And, and even including, I, I've seen them do some video clips of like testimonials, people that have been through the process. Like, I love my experience. This was great. Our photos were awesome. We loved it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned I'm a high school teacher and I, I surveyed them the other day about some social media thing. And I said, would you rather watch a video or look at a picture? And a hundred percent said video. Yeah. That's actually, that's something that my, my website lacks, uh-huh. um, is video content, but yeah, that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> and it's not anything I'm doing, so I can't be a good example here, but, <laughs> but I've seen it and I, I can imagine how it's a really successful thing. All right. So, so you've got the pre-communication. They have kind of a, 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 a certain level of expectation of what's going to happen here. You do the shoot. Uh, you know, I think all of us can kind of imagine how that's going to be. We're all going to handle the shoots differently, but we're gonna we're gonna go create images that that hopefully the, the clients are going to be really happy with. So now you're to the point of that second date, that reveal date. You called it. Tell me how you get that. What is it that you prepare? Let's maybe start with that first. What is it that you're preparing uh, in advance for that reveal appointment? Yeah. So I have culled the images and I have done basic edits to all the images that I think are good. And I'm not too discerning. Like I basically will show them anything with good facial expression and eyes open because I want them to make the ultimate choice. Uh, I'm not going to pick for them what they like. They know better than I do. Um, I'll lean towards, you know, this or that photo, but inevitably they also always pick one that I'm like shaking my head at. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I totally am with you on this. Like client proofing is a super important part of process to me. I love incorporating the client into the proofing because like you said, they always pick an image. And I was like, yeah, that one's not great. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I love that one. That one's awesome. And uh, it's so it, it's it's good. It's something that I know is extremely controversial. There's some photographers I've heard from a lot of them who feel extremely passionate about it being the other way. Like there is no way I'm letting any client see anything that I haven't personally chosen uh, as a, as an image for them. And that's, you know, if that's the way you want to run it. Great. What, whatever you want to do, but we're just kind of describing processes that we're using and, and Aaron is, is making is very successful with this. So I, I love hearing that. Okay. What else are you doing? You're, you've called the images, anything else you're making, you're getting ready for this reveal. Yeah, so I have, um, depending on the client, you kind of have to feel them out a little bit and kind of understand what they want and see if they're a person that can make an on-demand decision with purchases. 
So I prepare, I often prepare uh, a set of proof prints. That's what I prefer to do is show them their photos in print rather than on a laptop or on a TV because I want them to be thinking about prints. I do not want them thinking about digitals. Uh-huh. Um, but I will bring either a laptop or my uh, computer hooked to a TV to do kind of a back and forth, yes, no, this is five stars, this is four stars, if we need to go that far and in that detail. But typically, they'll just start putting the four by sixes I print in different piles and, and we do it that way. So, so I, um, and like all of the the big print labs do four by sixes for like a quarter a piece. Right, they're uh, inexpensive. Yeah. yeah. And they're they're the they're good quality too. It's not like you're sacrificing all that much. Um, I also have a ton of samples. I have like a huge duffel bag plus more that I bring along. So I always make sure I've got everything that I want to sell um, and show them. And I also make sure that I have copies of my um, price list. Uh, and that's basically it. If if it's a family that I've had experience with, say I've done one sale and I know that sale was stressful, sometimes what I've done is send them a digital proof link, say a week ahead of time. And I say, okay, you guys are going to take a look, but then we are going to look again together. Some people just can't make a decision on the spot. It's too stressful. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Um, so if I know this is a family that is just going to stress out and be like, well, I love all of them. But- <laughs> But they don't want to really actually purchase all of them. Um, like they feel like they're losing something because they're just buying prints and they're not getting 200 digitals. That's a family that I might send a a proof link a week ahead of time and say, "All right, start marking your favorites, and then we will do the real work together when we meet in person." Okay. Now you used a term there that I know many photographers will be familiar with, but for people who are not, proof link. Um, at least my definition of proofs is you're going to put out onto some sort of website or some way to share the digitals where you have exported them. Let's say, I I, I don't know if you're a Lightroom user, Aaron, or you you use Lightroom. Okay. So in Lightroom, you're exporting them and you're going to export them at a pretty small resolution. So that if they do take them, they can't do a whole lot with them. Um, And then, and maybe probably watermark them too. So that they, they, you have branding is there and then um, the intention, and this is part of that template I talked about in my email because I do this as well with client proofing. I make sure I give them emails like, hey, don't worry about relative brightness, darkness, or the, the colors, uh, you know, white balance. They don't use the term white balance because they don't know what that is. But the colors, just pay attention to the faces, the expressions, yes. things that are there, and tell me which of those photos are your very favorite. I give them a certain number that they purchase as part of like the, the sitting fee is, is what I call it. And then, uh, and then we we figure out what photos they want, like professionally edited, is, is really kind of part of my process that is there. So proofing, how when you export them out of Lightroom, what's the dimension that you are exporting? You know, honestly, if I'm looking at it right now, I'm just gonna pull up Lightroom. <laughs> yeah. I I the only thing that I limit is I just limit file size. I limit it to like twelve or thirteen hundred K. That way. That I don't touch anything else because okay. that gives me a fast upload. So you mentioned putting a watermark. I put a huge watermark, but at a very light opacity. Right. So it's it doesn't 
they can still see all the expression, but it's I don't just put it in a corner. It basically covers the photo, uh-huh. but it's super, super light. That way, if they did screenshot it and like they thought they had a friend who could Photoshop it out, it's going to require a lot of work. <laughs> right, right. Because We're... it covers the whole photo. <laughs> right. Okay, so I would suggest um, the, the file size limitation is probably not a bad way to go, but I'd suggest something under 2048 on the long edge for the pixels. Um, then, then there's like even if you try to upsize that to make it so you can make a big like 30 by 20 mm-hmm. canvas print, that's not going to go well with, <laughs> with 2048 on the long edge. And it's just to try to protect them. Most of my clients, they're not trying to do that. They're not after that. But you got to protect yourself. Plus, and, and here's the way that I sell it to my clients, I tell them it's on purpose very small so that it's easier for them to go through it. They're not going to have to wait on their end for either their phone or their computer to take a long time to download each one of these images too. So there's an adva- there is an actual advantage on their side, a reason why you downsize these photos and make them much smaller. On your side is to protect yourself from them getting stolen and, and they're not actually buying them from you. Um, but on their side, it, it it is actually helpful for them to, especially because most of my clients review on the phone, which means uh, if it's going to take a while scrolling from photo to photo, that's that's just a bad experience. So having them be smaller is is really helpful. And you may have a service that does this for you automatically. If you have, there's some websites that will know that it's a phone that's looking at the photos, and they will downsample it for you. Um, but I like to just make sure I take care of that all by myself. Yeah, and I'll say this is really not something I worry about. Yeah, yeah. I I rarely send a uh, proof link to anyone because everyone kind of expects to see them in person with me. Gotcha. Um, and they they want by the time we've gotten to that point, they want prints. Like they want an album. They want something to put on their walls. They want me to do the work for them. So they are not uh they are not looking to screen capture something and print on their own. They they've hired me because I know how to do all of that stuff better. Right, right. Right. An important thing to emphasize in these communications we've been talking about too, like I am going to make sure you end up with beautiful prints at the end of this process and you're going to love these shots. I'm so excited to work with you on this. Is that that kind of the the way that you're going about it. 100%. Yeah, like they know nothing about paper types. They know nothing about print labs or resolution or or anything. So I say this is this is what my job is. Um it's kind of one of the things that I say about a shoot and burn photographer is that they're really leaving the client with more work. Uh-huh. Um and some clients, you know, uh have been printing, you know, forever. Like they have no problem always printing their photos. But most people, I think these days, just have a stock of digital images that have never been printed. And uh, I'm kind of like a guarantee that the best photos of their family, because it's me after all, the best photos of their family are getting printed on high quality paper. Yeah, let's talk about then, I want to get to pricing in just a second. And you have a lot of good tips there, I think, on, on how to arrive at the pricing. But talk about the products then, how did you get familiar with the products and, and what are your favorite types of products to to sell when you're doing these in-person sales with the client? I think the finding the products you like is the hardest part uh, and it takes the longest because it also requires a little bit of an investment because you have to purchase samples. Right. Um, so you kind of, 
it, partly it's a little bit with you and experimenting on what you like, and partly you just need to think of your client and understand, well, what do they want? What do people typically want to purchase? Everyone wants to purchase loose prints to put in frames and give as gifts. Right. Um, but even with that, understanding all of the different papers that these major print labs have to offer, um, I think gives you that expert status. So I actually use um, I use Miller's and Bay Photo, Mm-hmm. And I use I use their dream print process, which is not their standard kind of photo printing. It's their kind of like level up printing, um, and it is gorgeous. Um, if you've ever bought like the matte paper version, like they call it like deep matte or whatever, um, the typical deep matte is not as rich as the dream print deep matte. So I'm just saying, if I'm if I'm throwing out words that people are not uh, that it's just going over their head right now. Try a dream print deep mat. (laughs) It is amazing. When you were Uh, trying them out, did you like say, okay, family, I got to try these things out. So we're going to take a bunch of family photos and I'm going to order a whole bunch of products of with our family photo on it. Is that, how did you do it? So a little bit yes and a little bit no. Part of it, I chose portfolio images that I know are good and I wanted to see on different papers. Okay. So I, you know, I have stuff that I just really like that I know are my standout shots and I, I purchased different versions on certain papers. Um, for the fancier items that are maybe, I'm just seeing, do I even like this? Like an acrylic block or um, a, a wood print or something like that. That's what I used my family stuff for. Mm-hmm. Um, pictures of my kids. Right. That cuts. I actually have an acrylic print coming of my one-year-old just to see if I like that and it's something I want to offer. Um, but the stuff that I know is, that I know I'm going to sell. I did not need to see my, I I didn't need to test it out. I just needed to see which papers I liked. Um, And so I used the same kind of portfolio image for that. And when you tested them out, did you just so that you got consistency are using exactly the same image across a lot of different paper types so that you can compare them equivalently when they get there? Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you got a, you end up with a bunch of uh, of images of your of your family to to look at, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean the great thing is is I do have you know for things that I either wanted samples for, and I'm very picky. If there's even like one little piece of damage on any sample, I'll just email back and say, hey, look, this is damaged. I want another one. Right. They have no problem because they want to keep a customer. Right. Um, and so for a handful of things, I have two copies and I have one copy that I just keep at home because it's nice. And I have the sample copy I take with me. So the one thing I would say is be discerning. If you start to use these uh, these fancier items, if there's anything wrong, do not settle for it. Um, they will be happy to replace it. Um, and you may have yourself a second sample. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Good. So uh, getting to know the products and, and so... <laughs> just to be fully honest, this is the part I don't like. <laughs> yeah. And I, like I said, it is the biggest part. It, like, it'll take the most work. Um, and uh, like figuring out albums and oh. all of the, the cover materials, the thicker, thin pages. Do you want different papers on the albums? Um, it, it's the hardest part because you have to make some decisions. I think it took me, it took me 18 months probably to really be confident that I had the, the dozen or so products that I want to stick with. Gotcha. Um, does it include the, the things I know this used to be a big deal a long time ago. I don't think it's as big a deal today, but like 
keychains or mugs or I don't know, mouse pads, all that sort of, is that part of your product line or do you even offer that to clients? No, I don't. I, I want to present myself as, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not like the highest of high luxury photographer because I just can't sustain that. Um, but I am, uh, kind of trying to reach for that upper middle class family that has something special they want to buy. Uh-huh. And uh, typically, that's not a keychain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they'll get those at the amuse- amusement parks. Exactly. <laughs> Leave it to the amusement park. Okay, that's how I feel about it too. But um, you know, it's it's always there. You you go over to any of the labs. They're like, yeah, we offer this other stuff too. I'm like, oh gosh, that is cheesy, cheesy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, pricing. Let's let's talk about pricing, and then I want to get more into like the actual in person sales how you're doing it. But pricing why pricing things out is a challenge for everybody. There's a lot of variables involved. Your local market has to have a big influence on it. So it's it's tough to be able to like give exact numbers. It's going to depend on where you live, the service you're providing, um, your level of confidence, I think it plays a role. But how tell walk me through how it is that you've come to the pricing that you're doing. So I think the first thing that anyone who wants to make money with their photography has to do is ask themselves, how much money do you want to make with it? Right. Uh, you would never take another job if they didn't tell you how much money you were going to make, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, I love teaching. There's no way I'm taking a teaching job unless they tell me the salary. Yeah. So why start a photography business unless you've thought about the actual money you want to make? Right. Um, and so that's the first number you need to figure out. If I'm doing this on the side, do I want an extra $10,000 on top of my teacher salary? Uh, do I want to be full-time and do I want to make 75 k or do I want to make $100,000? Um, that's the first number that you need. And then after that, you have to ask yourself, how many hours do I want to work to make that money? Uh, how many clients can I reasonably get? And you know, with a little bit of math, you can figure out here is how much I need to make per client to make the money I want to make. So that is the first set of math you have to do. And that will basically get you to your pricing. Um, I say basically because it's not everything. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and so you haven't included in that yet any kind of market research. Did you do that as part of this? So um, the thing I'll say is I think about it this way. There is a market for every photographer. Uh-huh. Um, just like there is a market for Ferrari like there's a market for BMW, like there's a market for for Hyundai. Like there is a buyer at every price level. Um, you just have to learn how to find that buyer and uh, and use the right words and present yourself in a way that that matches your brand. Um, I, I, I am not a, like a $10,000 a session family session photographer because A, I don't know any of those people. <laughs> right. Um, nor do I know, I, don't, I just don't have the way to build that kind of brand for myself yet. Maybe I could do it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I know that in my market, there are moms and dads on Facebook who will charge $100 and give you 300 digital images. I know that there are $20,000 wedding photographers here. Um, this is Columbus. It's kind, you know, it's like a big city, but a small big city. Um, I think if 
if you are confident in what you are delivering, you will find the person that will buy it. So, so I would say, I don't know. I think really it's a, it's about knowing how much money you want to make and figuring out how to make that money. Um, you will find your clients. Okay. And, and if, so you've worked a while at establishing your brand, you've got some confidence after doing a lot of shoots and having happy clients that I'm sure you can even get like testimonials from if you need it. Maybe that's a good question. Have you done that? Yeah. Mo- you, what I have done most is getting reviews on Google. Right. Um, so that my map location on Google shows up more frequently than someone who has no Google reviews. Something I guess I learned maybe a year or two ago was, you know, if you think about your search results in Google, the first thing that comes up is a map yeah. and then is the search results. So you need that address and then um, they will continue. They, Google will prioritize recent good reviews. And so I'm continuously asking for Google reviews to get my, my spot on the map there. So if someone's starting out, and they they have a certain amount of money they want to make, but they've never done a family session or a senior session. And how do you recommend they approach it? That those two things are kind of opposites at the beginning. How do you how do you work through that? Yeah, I th- I think someone you know starting out, I just did a little bit of everything uh-huh. to kind of to kind of figure out what I liked. Um, you know, I, I did families. I, and you know, I did stuff for free just so I could start building a portfolio. It kind of depends. Is this a person who has a portfolio or is this a person like starting from scratch? Let's, let's say nothing yet. Yeah. They, they have a desire. Like they, they've played around with it. They like, maybe they've done a little bit of shooting for family and friends just because people asked and they're like, Oh, I kind of like doing this. Maybe I can make some money at it, but they have an actual portfolio outside of those few family and friends, maybe even not, uh, something they're super confident yet of being able to sell as a service because they they're they're just getting started. Yeah, I think that's step one is getting a few more sessions completed so that you can have a portfolio. But honestly, once you've got a few and if you have a website and a and a little bit of social media, if you start to do your math and say upfront, I am selling prints, uh, I am selling albums, then I'd say you're good to go. That's all you need is is that initial kind of website portfolio and then it's just uh, you know talking to as many people as you can and 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 trying to get that that initial word of mouth. Getting anything via social media or Google requires some cash. To get any kind of uh, eyes on your website just through web search, you're going to have to pay some money. Um, and I have found that it's my time and money is better spent just talking to local businesses, talking to families and seeing what what will come my way i think uh, and i've heard that over and over and over now we've i've talked to tons of photographers some very successful like yourself some not as successful the the thing that the successful photographers are doing they may have invested some in like google ads or or other you know facebook ads whatever the the electronic ad uh, market but it's word of mouth. That's the the referral is the thing that is keeping these photographers busy, and what it what makes them be able to elevate their 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 value too. Their session prices can go up every year because the word of mouth is spreading like more and more and more. Like these, this photographer knows what they're doing. They they we always get incredible results, and that's valuable to people. 
Yeah. And, but, you know, I think back to your initial question, what, you know, what do you do if you're just starting out? You're actually in a lucky place if you can make the decision to sell prints from the beginning, because it is tough to transition from only providing digitals to then say, well, hey guys, I know you've done two or three sessions with me and I've given you the digitals, but this time right. you're going to, you're going to pay four times as much and you're not going to get digitals. You're going to get these prints and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, you, you know, you're, if you're just starting out and you can make the decision to, to spend a little time learning about printing um, and making that your focus, uh, you, I think you're in a lucky spot because I had to make that transition and I kind of continued to make that with a handful of clients and, it, and it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's tough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You really kind of need to set this, that uh, direction at the beginning. Um, yeah, very, very good point. Um, and one other question about the Google map thing, is it your home address that you're setting up for this or do you have another studio? How, how is that working? Mine actually is now that this is going out to the world. <laughs> so yes, I don't have, I don't think Google will, will pinpoint a PO box. Um, so it has to be a legit address. So I do not have a studio. I run everything. Uh, I have a, you know, a four by six Ikea table. That is my business at home <laughs> and everything else is at a client's home. Okay. All right. And do you do the reveals at your house? Uh, nine times out of 10, I am going to the client's house to do oh, it. Okay. I see. Okay. Um, everything I have is portable, which, you know, the only downside to that is, is I don't have huge stuff to bring. I don't have a 24 by 36 that I'm shoving in my car because I do not want to ruin a $250 print lugging it in and out of my car. So that's the only downside is I don't have super huge stuff but um i've been kicking around in my head kind of and and when my wife listens to this podcast she'll she'll hear this for the first time <laughs> um kind of setting up a little sample wall in our kitchen and being able to do uh, reveal and sales sessions from our home but we'll see so yeah. far i'm having success doing it with the client at their home well it's more convenient for the client too they don't have to go anywhere you're going to come to them that's a, a valuable part of the service too Oh yeah, I mean, so part of it, part of in-person sales, uh, and I think just being good in general at a, a business of photography is, what are you providing for the client that they wouldn't get otherwise? Right. Um, I will hang their wall art for them. Um, I am double-checking everything first before it gets to them to make sure there are no, you know, bends or scratches or 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 whatever. Um, yeah, part of what I have to communicate to make the money worth it is how much more they are getting and how much easier I am making their life because they don't have to do it. Is that an important part of that initial communication then? You're pointing it out on the website and you're pointing it out in that initial communication, the service that you're providing. Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's a good thing for the, the photographers listening to think about is what kind of a service is it you want to provide? And how do you make sure that that's something you're selling as you engage with clients? Make sure they are fully aware of what is making you different. So, you know, we, we had a, an episode um, just recently about the uh, artificial intelligence and, and the impact it's having on photography and, and that that's growing. Like that, that capability for people to use their smartphone and end up with stunning images yeah. is growing immensely it's it's like it's like a big bus or train is headed your direction and if you're not 
if you don't understand how to harness that power or how to make sure that your service is like you can tell someone why this is going to be way better than grandma with their smartphone taking your family photos. Um, it, it, that's an, a really important thing I think is now and is only going to be more important in the future. Selling the service that you're providing is, is going to be really critical. You know, here's something interesting. I just, I've been listening to um, this other photography podcast and following this chat group. And they said, one way to get your client to think about that is to ask them why they're hiring you uh-huh. and not, and not having grandma with the iPhone 11 four or 11 pro doing it. Like, why are you coming to me? And if they right. can articulate it, they have done the sale for you. You don't even have to say anything. <laughs> cool. Okay. Let's talk details about conducting this reveal. Then you're, you're going to go with these prints in hand because uh, they, they've chosen them, right? They're, is that right? How, how, or No, sorry. The reveal is, is with the kind of proof prints. Is that mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yep. So describe to me how this works. You're, as you're heading, you know, you just got to their house. You're getting out of the car. What happens from there? So um, first step is they look at their photos once and I say, don't do anything. Just look at them and enjoy them. Don't make choices like revel in how amazing these are and how cute your kids are and all of that. Then look at them again and start to make choices, start to put them in piles. And that part of the process kind of takes the bulk of the time is them kind of going back and forth. Oh, I like this smile here, but I like these eyes here. Um, And then once they really start to kind of narrow down, say I've given them a hundred photos and they narrow down to the 15 that they like, um, we'll start to talk about, okay, which of these are going on the wall? Do you want to put these 15 in a nice album? Um, what's going, you know, what gift prints do you need to have ready for Christmas or birthdays? Um, that's really, so kind of like three, three steps, I guess. Look at the photos and enjoy them. Start to really call and make your, you know, your five star, four star. Here's your favorites. This is what I want. And then decide what, what medium do you want them in? Um, in the meantime, while they are first looking at their photos, I am filling their table with samples and I'm passing around samples um, and I'm saying, okay, here's the two different papers. So a little bit of that happens while they're looking and a little bit of that happens when they have their, their favorites picked. Um, but that's basically it. And then I uh, either get a check or a credit card and I get to work on you know, final edits and uh, ordering from the lab. Okay. And then do you, are you hand, hand delivering the, the prints they ordered? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, so one reason I hand deliver is because I want the prints to come to me first. Right. So that, so that I, uh, check them and they look like I want them to look. Um, I check them for damage of course, but I also want to make sure, uh, it's something of the quality that I want to give to them. And then I also like to be there when I give them because that is an amazing moment. So yeah. you were talking about, um, I, you were talking about the joy that you get from photography, right? Uh, and one of the biggest moments of joy that I get every time is giving them their prints and seeing them just light up. And if there are little kids there, even better. Yeah. Um, that, that really makes all of the extra effort for in-person sales worth it is giving them the final product. It's like you, like taking photos is great and fun. Um, but giving a printed product that, you know, they are going to cherish 
and seeing that look on their face, that's the best part. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that I could see liking that. I could I could like that too. It's the whole print part that I just don't like doing. <laughs> but uh, that's just me. That's uh, and for sure this is the best way to make money uh, even part-time as a, yes. a client photographer as a person doing portraits of some some sort. Which is the next question or the, the last thing I want to ask you is what type of photographer do you think should be considering doing in-person sales? So, I uh, Someone going business to client or consumer. Um, so me, the business, going to your average Joe or Joanne, I guess, out there. <laughs> right. uh, I do not do print sales um, for corporate headshots. It doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. Uh, I do not do print sales uh, if I have the, the odd job providing some branding materials for a small business. I don't do prints for that. It doesn't make sense. That's not what they need. Um, this is good for families, seniors. Weddings, boudoir, newborn, um, anything where you've got just your average consumer out there. I think that's where where print sales is is uh, golden. And I'll, you know, I'll say this: I got hooked. I started this two years ago, and my average session, I want to say, I was charging maybe three hundred dollars mm-hmm. and just deliver delivering digitals and maybe crossing my fingers that they would buy prints because I said the print lab I connected your gallery to is professional. You right. should really, you should really use it. Yeah, they're not using it. Yeah. Um, that same three hundred dollars session, with maybe ninety minutes of extra work, turned into a sixteen hundred dollars session. That's when I was hooked. I'm like, yeah. this is the work I've been doing. Why was I doing it for so cheap? <laughs> right. Um, now all of that sixteen hundred dollars is not coming to me. Of course, I do have to pay <laughs> to get the prints. Right. Um, so, so a chunk of that is the cost of doing business. But I'm still ending up with more than I ever did just giving digitals because no one really wants to pay. Like if you say uh, my all digital package is twelve hundred dollars, there are five hundred photographers on a Facebook mommy group that will do that same job for one hundred and fifty bucks. Sure. Right. You, you know. Um, so that's. I couldn't just be like, well, I'm amazing by my digitals. I had had to say I'm amazing and here's the amazing stuff you get. That's really the key. Okay. All right. So if if there's any photographer listening who wants to like your objective, your goal with photography is to have fun with it. But really, you also want to make sure that you're you're making bringing in at least a good side income, if not your main income, then in-person sales when it's for a client, an individual or family is the best way to make that happen. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you think about it this way, um, that $300 all digital, uh, session that I had, um, if I'm putting away a third of it for taxes, now I'm down to 200. If I'm investing back in my business, maybe 50 bucks, now I'm down to 150, right? That's maybe cash coming into me. Uh, what if I drop a speed light and break it, right? All of a sudden, that $150 I thought I made has now purchased the speed light. And I spent six hours in total, maybe away from my family, writing emails, driving to the shoot, doing the shoot, editing photos, all of that time just to buy a new speed light, which is, I kind of know that's how this conversation started, was talking about <laughs> buying a light. <laughs> right. But like, I don't have to worry if, you know, I don't have to worry um, about that $150 because I'm, I've made a lot more per session. But if my session only paid for that speed light, man, 
I think my wife and my kids would be really mad at me if I spent <laughs> all that time away and only came away with a speed light that only I can use. <laughs> right. You know. So I think that's the way to think about it is uh, like where is that money going? How much is going into your pocket? And is it worthwhile? Are you making enough to make that time away from friends and family worthwhile? Um, that's I think that's question number one. Because like if we have a photography business on the side – you are thinking about it 24-7. Like, Jeff, I know you are thinking about your podcasts and photography all the time. Yes, right? it's true. Um, and to have that mental anguish and all of these thoughts all the time going through your head, if you are not making good money to give yourself that stress, then I would say stop charging and just have fun with it, right? Like yeah. just take photos of family and, and seniors and don't charge because as soon as you add money and the whole concept of a business, it brings on this whole new level of 24-7 stress and it's got to be worth it. Right. Yep. And and that's why money is not even close to an objective. <laughs> <photography>. yeah, that's <laughs> It is not what I'm thinking about. Uh, I just, it, more than anything, I love teaching people how to do photography I don't really love the interaction with clients and, you know, that's just not my thing. I, I, I like doing it occasionally. I have fun with it and, and it's a, a really good way for me to test out new equipment and software and, you know, it keeps pushing me to, to get better at it. But that is, I am not looking for like using 40 Saturdays out of my year to go and do client shoots. It's, it's, just not a desire I have. I'd much rather watch football or, or do yeah. things, which is a challenge for me today as we're recording. But, um, you know, doing the podcast or teaching other photographers, I, I get a lot more enjoyment out of that. So I'm, I'm making a very personal decision. This is not, uh, this is not a, a winning strategy <laughs> for anybody <laughs> else. Like if, if you have the goal at all, if there's any inkling of a desire to make money, then you need to go. I think you really need to evaluate what Aaron's talking about here and not follow what I'm doing because I don't have that goal. It's not a goal I have um, set at all. I I have completely different objectives with what I'm doing with photography and I'm having fun with it. Now, I will say, if you do start to learn a little bit about printing, you will love seeing your work in print. That sure. is another that is another byproduct. Sure. Is there's something different about looking at a picture on a screen and holding it in your hand or having it on your wall. Um, that's a whole, I mean, that's a huge benefit kind of looking into it is you just you get to see it in print it's, yeah. and uh, it's just different. So and I do printing for myself <laughs> and, and I have loved that. I, I love making the, we, we do family photos every year and take, I, we make big prints that go up on the wall and it is fun. I like that. Yeah. I just don't like doing it for everyone else. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I hear that. And I think that's, you know, that's what's good. And that's what you're, that's what you're saying too, is know your goal, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like know why you're doing it and then be smart with how you set yourself up for success. Yeah. And it, it is absolutely influencing other things. You've, you've talked about it here, uh, um, making a little bit more money or a lot more money from these sessions enables you to buy the gear that's going to help you as a photographer. And you're not facing really a hobbyist budget on this. You're facing, you get a business account that has funds in it to go spend gear on because you have planned well and you're, you know what you're going to be getting and, and you can go buy the more expensive lighting, the more expensive camera, the more expensive, whatever is going to help you. I am very constrained. The decisions that I'm making 
I'm living on a hobbyist budget where it's only just whatever extra I have from the other things I have in my life to bring in income. And so I'm seeking out the way less expensive stuff that's going to be good enough to help me to get uh, to accomplish some of the goals I have and the, the creativity that I, I and the vision that I have in, in my photography that I'm doing. Totally different plan, totally different objective and different constraints, which is fine. It's just making decisions. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, if you're confident in your decisions, I say that's that's what's important. Yeah. And, and happy. Like uh, there have been, I've, I've also talked with tons of photographers who they start out thinking, I love this. I want to do this. And then they go full bore and then they realize, you know what? I haven't had an actual weekend of relaxation in four years. Yeah. Always shooting a wedding or a, a client portrait. And, uh, and they, they have decided I don't like this anymore. I don't want to do this. And and everyone's different. Everyone's got different goals. So you just have to evaluate. It's it's being happy is a really important part of this, and really being honest with yourself about it is is a big deal. So yeah, <laughs> it's just I I feel like I'm super honest about what I want out of it, and it's not this. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I'm with you. And yeah. you know, for for my family, it's kind of a necessity. We sure. we just need the extra money, so I'm going to try and do it the best I can and take the least amount of time that I can uh, doing it. So, um, yeah, sounds great. All right, let's move on to how people can spend more money. <laughs> the <two laughs> ads of the week. Um, I am t- tinkering with more video. Not because of a business reason. Uh, well, I guess sort of. I'm really interested. I, like I've mentioned, I, I'm, I love teaching people how to do photography. I, I find so much enjoyment out of that. Uh, there is nothing to me better than seeing a photographer capture the first really good image with good lighting um, that they've ever done, which we've had, I've been able to, to be part of several create photography retreats now and, and, and see that reaction. It's so much fun. And I want to be able to provide some good content for people to continue to learn. That's why I do the podcast. It's, it's why I'm trying to get stuff going for YouTube as well. Uh, it takes a lot more time. And that's, uh, that's my biggest challenge with it. I want to do so much and I just, ah, man, I have to figure out how to prioritize things and, and the time is a, a big deal. Anyway, I'm, I want to do some decent quality video and I didn't have any constant lights to do that with, which you really need. For, you can't do it very well without that uh, for, for having good video. So Godox lights, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know I'm a, a massive fan of Godox as a company selling lighting equipment. And they offer uh, something called the Godox SL60W, which stands for 60 watts, constant light. They are $140 a light. So they are not super cheap. But any equipment, it, it's like the least expensive kind of constant light meant for video stuff that I've been able to find. I spent a lot of time looking into this. Like we've talked about, I I have to spend as little as possible on the gear to, to make it work. So... Um, they're not 
dirt cheap. There are things that are cheaper, but cheap, I think, is the right word for it because it probably means it's not going to work for very long or meet your needs for very long. And you'll be reinvesting again in something else before too long. So these are, I, I have them now. I've been using them. They're, they're really good. I'm very, very happy with the purchase. They're fully worth $140 a pop. And uh, so that's my dude out of the week. Aaron, what, what's your dude at? Uh, first, I'll say, yeah, Godox is killing it these days. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. all about that brand. I have all of my light is Godox. So yeah, I couldn't agree with your recommendation more. I will recommend a doodad that will not require you to even spend ten dollars. <laughs> I love those. It is, it is only six dollars, and it's the recommendation I give all the time. It's uh, a product called the Rain Sleeve, and it's by Optech USA. And for six bucks, I think I got mine on Amazon. It's two plastic sleeves to protect your gear in the rain. Um, they are, they're not going to last forever. I've used them on multiple shoots, but eventually I, I throw them away. But I used one of these in four sessions in a row where it was pouring rain. Kudos to those families for all showing up still, too. <laughs> wow. Um, and not a single drop of rain touched my camera for, I, I don't know anything cheaper in the world of photography that you can get that is this good. Yeah. Not even like a roll of gaffer's tape is only six bucks. So <laughs> um, that is definitely my doodad of the week is the rain sleeve. Perfect. I love it when there's less expensive stuff that we can recommend. Very good. All right, uh, Aaron, thanks for, for joining me and uh, describing a little bit about your process for in-person sales. I think it helps photographers just to hear how others are doing it. It's not to say that you have to do what Aaron described to be successful because there's lots of ways that that can happen. It's going to depend on you and, and really your enjoyment level of it, your passion for it is going to determine a lot more the success of things than, um, than anything else. So deciding what you want to do, what your goals are, being realistic and honest with yourself about, uh, how much you can charge and and what your objectives are as far as making money, those are all important things. But but thanks, Aaron, for uh, for talking through your process. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, mine is also not the only way. There are tons of wrinkles and flavors of in person sales, and you just got to kind of find the the way that works for you. Yeah, for sure. I know Erica wanted to join us because she is also a massive proponent of in person sales. And she's talked about how she thinks her process is really different from anyone else's. Um, so it would have been fun to have her on. But she's shooting a wedding while we're recording oh. episodes. So, so she wasn't available. All that would right. have, been, have been nice to talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, I know you, you, you were a, a mentor. She was your mentor or something, right? What, what? Um, I visited her studio a number of times. Um, I second shot with her. Uh, the first time I met her when we moved to Columbus, I said, you're my podcast rock star superhero. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so she was someone I admired and uh, and then got to work with a little bit. Um, so yeah, love Erica. Yep. She wanted to be here. She's like, oh, I'm doing a wedding. So yeah, that you can't say, sorry, wedding. <laughs> I'm going to go record a podcast that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, so so much for listening. I want to remind everyone, masterphotographypodcast.com is the home for the show notes. So we'll we'll have in the show notes what we just talked about. Um, you can go back and listen, of course, and, and get that. But uh, if, if you want to get some notes about what Aaron described as the process, then that'll be in the show notes. Also, that Facebook group that we mentioned, Master Photography Podcast, you can go search for it or there'll be a link in the show notes. 
and you can uh, come and join the community. You do have to answer a question about naming a host on the show. We just want to keep it to the listeners. Make sure it's not bots or spammers, and we've had to kick a few of those out. Um, so Jeff will work or Aaron will work, and, and I'll know that you listen to the show. You can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com or listen to the other podcast I do, which is kind of more of a technical focused podcast. You know, there's there's a lot of photographers who don't know a lot about technology and photography these days involves a lot of technology. <laughs> and so uh, so I have a podcast in Photo Taco where I try to make it so that uh, technology can be explained in an easy to understand way. I'm not sure I'm always able to make that happen, but it's, it's the goal. It's what I want to do. I want to take on really technical topics and try to break it down um, so that uh, a, a normal person, that's how my wife puts it, what's a, how's a normal person supposed to figure this out? <laughs> and, uh, so I, that's what I try to do over there. And if I have searchable show notes, so if you go over to phototacopodcast.com, I probably have an episode on nearly any technical topic and question that you might have on photography, so you should go check that out. I'll have my, uh, my Instagram and Facebook and Twitter stuff all there too. Aaron, where can people find you? The first place to go would be just my website, AaronTaylorPhoto.com. And I update Instagram pretty frequently, and I'm just at AaronTaylorPhoto. And uh, I'm all like you, the education side, we didn't really talk about that today, but that is also a huge passion for me, obviously, as a high school teacher. I love teaching. Um, and so I'm always happy to a answer questions or have a discussion about in person sales or, or anything. Um, so fi finding me either place, um, you can get in touch with me and, and I'm happy to continue the conversation. Perfect. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you all again in another seven days.